Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. It's so great to have you here with us. On this Thursday, August 17th, 2023, a lot to discuss right now in the life of Duke Athletics as Lockdown Blue Devils is your one-stop shop, your daily podcast devoted to everything going on at Duke. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast for free wherever you get your podcast. Your support means the world to us. Leave us those five-star ratings and review. I love seeing those come through, so appreciate those shout-outs there. Uh, also want to make sure that you watch the show daily on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button to our YouTube channel as we'll continue to put these videos out each and every day. Appreciate your support in that regard. On today's show, I've got my very good friend, Connor O'Neill, from the Devils Illustrated here with us as we're going to be talking all things Duke football and men's basketball. We're counting down the days until that Labor Day kickoff to the 2023 season. Connor, welcome into the show. I hope you're doing well, my friend. Doing well. Um, to explain the bandage, I, I did not get run over by Dwayne Carter as much as I'd like to tell you. I was able to take a hit at practice or something like that. Um, the The advice here is to make sure your dog's fingernail or uh, nails are clipped. Um, those things can turn into some deadly weapons sometimes. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Playing, playing, with the, playing with the dog, Bo, who's made a couple appearances on your show before, uh, cost me a little bit of a little <laughs> bit of my face here. A game of fetch gone wild. I love that. Uh, yeah, Dwayne Carter has been pretty active leading this Duke football program. So let's kind of jump right into what you've seen so far through fall camp, what you've heard as well. I know there have been several uh, kind of media opportunities, just big takeaways that you've had early in Duke football camp. Yeah, it's always the, the main thing is always, or I, at least where I go, is you're always going to lose a couple of players to injuries in fall camp. It's just kind of a nature of the beast with football. And so, so far, that's Eli Pankel. Uh, it's a pretty big loss on the outside for Duke. Um, I, it, it's, it's a little up in the air of calling him a starter or a um, reserve, but he was going to play enough of where he would be in the top four or five receivers for Duke. So it's a loss from that standpoint where it's a big loss is he's, he's Duke's biggest body wide receiver. Uh, six, three, I think two Oh five. And and you start going down the list of the other guys that were in front of him, kind of in the pecking order of targets. Uh, Jalen Calhoun's five ten, I think Samir Higgins is five eleven, and Jordan Moore is six foot and, you know, football and basketball are no different. Everybody gets gets a couple more inches uh, from what they actually are. Um, I don't know. I don't know quite how those work out with cleats and, <laughs> and uh, basketball shoes and stuff like that. But um, where where you where you wind up looking and to see if Duke can uh, fill the void there is whether Apollos Cook or Spencer Jones, two freshmen, uh, Apollos was in in the spring, so. At, at this point in fall camp, it doesn't even feel like the spring enrollees are freshmen anymore because you've already seen them for two camps. But Apollos Cook and Spencer Jones are both big bodies, 6'3", 6'4", type kids. If they can emerge and become playable and give Duke meaningful snaps, I think they're the ones to step into the void. The other guy to lo- watch for is Makai Wall. Uh, is a second-year guy from Greensboro who uh, there was a open open practice-type um, – 
fan fest deal on last Sunday. And man, he looked smooth. Um, they, they were doing some goal line and like snaps from inside the 15 yard line uh, type stuff. And he had several touchdowns. He's just very elusive out in space. Uh, he's small, which is the reason why I don't bring him up immediately when talking about replacing Eli Pankle because the, the, co- the size comparison there doesn't exactly line up. Sure. But he he's going to be able to help Duke. Um, the other thing that's really stood out, uh, as long as they can stay healthy, and this is this is where I knock on the wood desk here. Um, Duke has two really good cornerbacks with Al Blades Jr. and Miles Jones, both of the transfers that they brought in. Miles Jones is a seventh year guy. Al Blades is a sixth year guy. They've both battled a ton of injuries. Jones at Texas A&M and Blades at Miami. Um, so far they're healthy and so far those have looked like Duke's two best corners. Um, they have a returning starter in Joshua Pickett. Joshua Pickett's not going to be relegated to like 10 snaps a game. Like he's still going to be in there and playing, but you're talking about two guys that look like they're, you know, at least, at least physically, they look like they're professional corners. Uh, and you know, when, when you talk about their ages being, 23 24 25 years old that's kind of how it should look uh with with as much development as they've had uh over the last six or seven years at their places so that's something that um you know duke duke needs to defend the pass a little better than they did last year a lot of that is going to have to do with how much pass rush they can generate but also a lot of it is going to have to do with playing defense and pass coverage and I think those two give you a lot of optimism in that department going into the year. No doubt. When you've got such great players in the transfer portal who have college football experience, yes, there have been injury concerns in the past, but being able to add to a Duke defense, uh, I think that leadership will be uh, incredible for Duke going into this upcoming season on the defensive side of the ball. It's not always the best when we're talking about thoughts and takeaways so far in fall camp. And injuries are one of the first things that you bring up when you do mention the surgery that Eli Pankle has gone through and uh, having to miss a good bit of time. That's never exactly where you want to be in a football program, but I guess it's just a reminder, Connor, that it's part of it, that there are 85 scholarship guys. It's a next man up mentality, and you've still got to find ways to put your best 11 out there on the field. It's a collision sport, man. It's not a contact sport. Um, and, and you get out there and, uh, it's always kind of a shock to the system, right? When you first start covering fall camp, because you know you, you look at it from from my standpoint. You cover basketball for a while. Basketball is the contact sport. Then you cover baseball, very very little contact. Um, you go through the summer, you might see some basketball stuff in AAU and sometimes AAU events. The the contact is between uh, coaches and fans coming out of the stands more than it is the players. But um, yeah, football, you get in there and especially at Duke um, where I come from, you know, I, the majority of practices I see are at wake uh, at wake. We're a practice field away and we're 40 feet up in the air watching practice Duke. We're kind of right down there on the sideline. Uh, we can hear every pad pop. We, you know, I, I do a lot more moving around at Duke because you just have to kind of change your angles and, and what you're looking at. Um, there, there's benefits to both, and the benefit at Duke is you're you're right there in the thick of it. Uh, you can hear all the interaction, um, and it, it does. It there's always early in camp. There's always that reminder of, man, this is a violent sport. 
Um, it's it's one of the reasons why I think Duke does well to have the the guardian caps. Um, the NFL mandates that every of their every one of their teams has to wear the guardian cap in training camp and in in season practices when they're going full contact. Uh, they're these funky padded things that go over, like they're they're basically helmet covers. It looks like some guys have like mushrooms on top of their heads, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know how anybody practices without those because um, they, they seem to reduce the effects of those helmet to helmet blows that result in a lot of concussions. And and you hear less helmet to helmet stuff at Duke because they all have those on other than the quarterbacks and quarterbacks don't get hit kickers and punters don't get hit so yeah it's uh like i said i'm not breaking any news here but man it's a violent game <laughs> no kidding well let's continue to talk about some of those football takeaways thus far and talk about this men's basketball program as well at duke university after we take our first time out here on today's episode of locked on blue devils locked on blue devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. this is america's Number one sports book, and it's our absolute favorite as well. We're talking about football, and here on this Thursday, we're just a few short weeks away from the start of the NFL season. I can't wait. And this time of year is the perfect time of year to get your futures bets in. As right now, you can bet on a Super Bowl winner and get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you get bonus bets for every victory. Think about those Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, or the Philadelphia Eagles going to go back on another impressive run this season. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Our message to you, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Moving forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson alongside my friend Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. If you will, promote the website for me real quick, Connor. Devils Illustrated is at duke.rivals.com um, where we've got a practice report from that open practice that was open to fans uh, from last Sunday. And uh, we'll have some new stuff up probably around the time this is publishing, um, maybe maybe a little bit after that. Uh it's uh it's hit or miss on on my hours these days and uh i think thursday is looking like a good time that i'll be able to carve into a lot of stuff that's kind of just falling through the cracks with duke um and i'll get some notes up uh right now the the main story up there that i would want people to look at is about there are two defensive backs on duke's team that are going to kind of be the linchpins of how versatile they can be in the secondary uh, it's Brandon Johnson and Chandler Rivers, and I dive into them, um, what they can do, what they did well last year, and and how they'll play a role this year. And we're talking a lot about the secondary. You mentioned the two newcomers, and now you've brought up two new names, Connor, that we haven't <laughs> talked about thus far. So it, it's a defensive unit in Duke where I feel like a lot of the conversation was on that defensive front when you talk about Carter and Franklin and Peebles and Anthony, all those bodies that they've got up front, and yet here we are talking a good bit about the secondary. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know, I think we don't talk about Duke's offense because we all we know all those guys, <laughs> right? We we know Riley Leonard is what he is. Uh, we know they have three their top three running backs from last year back. Uh, I believe we talked about Peyton Jones back in the spring. I mean, he 
he popped off. He's another one of those spring enrollees that it doesn't even feel like he's a freshman because you you saw him so much and you saw him pop uh, four months ago. Um, the receivers are all mostly back. Uh, you know, Graham Barton and Jacob Monk are studs on the offensive line. So you wind up looking at the defense a lot more to, to see who's in new roles. Um, you know, media day, I asked uh, Coach Elko, you know, in the, in the prism of last year, it was all about competition at this point. They wanted competition across the board. They wanted even a guy like Shaka Hayward to compete and earn that starting linebacker spot. Uh, so I wanted to know going into this year with so many guys returning, how much of a element competition would be. And Mike put it pretty bluntly that, you know, they have whatever they have, 18, 19 returning starters, and that you would see a bunch of those, uh, not a bunch, but I think the word he used was several or a few. Um, you would see some of those returning starters be in position battles to keep those starting spots. I'll, I'll a lot more of those put battles are happening on the defensive side of the ball. That's that's where we come. You know, I just mentioned Joshua Pickett was a starter last year. It looks like he's probably the third best cornerback that Duke has. Um, you look at the defensive line, and I mean Wesley Williams is a is a standout player as a second year guy who redshirted last year. Uh, he might wind up as the starting defensive end over Vincent Anthony, his classmate who started last year. Um, or he might take RJ Oban uh, snaps away from him. So there's there's a lot of movement in, on the defense. Um, you're replacing Darius Joyner at sa- at safety, and uh, that's where I dove in with Brandon Johnson because safety is an interesting position to me. Uh, you have Jalen Simpson back there; he's going to play a ton of snaps. I uh, did last year; he was very good. But the other spot, I mean, Darius Joyner was this team's leading tackler. I think he was first or second on the team in snaps. He just did a ton for this team. And so you're replacing a lot with with trying to find his replacement. I think their replacement, for the most part, is going to be a guy that started last year in another position with Brandon Johnson moving from nickel to safety. And that's where Chandler Rivers was a freshman last year and was very good toward the end of the year. Um as he got more snaps, he became more confident. And you can just see it in the position grades on PFF. Uh, he looks to me like your, your new nickel. Um, so that's where the shuffling comes in on the back end. Uh, the main crux of it, though, is, as I was talking to a, an administrator out of practice a couple weeks ago, or uh, last week, I guess, everybody wants to make it out. Okay, who, who are our 11 starters? Uh, who's going to start for us? Um and that's kind of antiquated, and I, I look at it as kind of a video t- video game type approach to things, right? Like, it's not Madden where you just plug in your guys, and those are going to be your guys <laughs> unless they get hurt. There's always going to be a rotation. Like, you watch uh, you watch the best teams in college football every year, like Alabama, Georgia. They don't have four defensive line starters. They have eight guys that are all going to rotate in and out of the game, and none of them are going to play – anywhere close to even like 60 to 70% of the snaps, it's going to be pretty much cut down the middle. Right. Um, That's what Duke is trying to get. That's what they're trying to get to that. And that's right now in, in week three of fall camp, that's what you're trying to cultivate. And that's where you're trying to figure out, okay, who can actually do it? You know, who, who might've done it for a week of fall camp fallen off for the past week. And then who's going to rise back up. 
who has had a bad two weeks and then is going to rise up at the end of camp, who who has sustained it throughout the entirety of camp, and who can we really rely on? So that's the big thing moving forward with Duke, and that's we'll, we'll find out some of those answers on Saturday. Uh, there's a there's an open practice for us, and then there's a media day afterward. So we'll get a lot of answers on that front then. We're 18 days away from the Duke football season, 18 days away from Labor Day when Duke takes on Clemson inside Wallace Wade Stadium. And there you were, Connor, rattling off a million different (laughs) questions that we've got for Duke football right now. And those are questions that need to be answered by the coaching staff based on what they see from practices leading up to the event. You mentioned being at the practice already. You mentioned how close you are and hearing the pads popping, signaling the return of football. As we get ready for Mike Elko's second season as head coach, speaking to those coaches that he's got on the coaching staff, what's it like watching them get ready for another season there in Durham? What's jumping out to you about the staff? Yeah, That's another one of the benefits of being down on the field. Um and and I might be able to to say this even if I was far removed from Duke's field. Duke's coaches are loud. Um, they they don't mince words. I'm trying to find out the most uh, politically correct and sure. diplomatic way to put this. Uh, there are a couple coaches on staff that they're they're the types that if they're yelling at you, you know that you really blew an assignment or or did something technically wrong. But for the most part. Uh, Duke's coaching staff is is pretty tough love. Um, it gets intense, and uh, you know it, it, I always go to there's there's some old college basketball adage of somebody that went to like a Jim Beheim practice, a Coach K practice, and a John Thompson practice, or somebody like that, and all three practices were completely different. And you know, all three of those coaches, they're three of the best coaches ever in the game, and it's just. There's so many, there's different ways to skin a cat. There's a different way to be a successful coach. Um, I don't think I'm breaking any news. I don't think I'm giving away any nuclear codes by saying that Mike Elko and Dave Clawson have different volume levels uh, as head coaches. Uh, That's just kind of the way things are at at Wake and Duke, the two two schools that I cover. Um, It's just different. And uh, certainly at Duke, it is a lot louder. Uh, it's, it's a little more in your face. And, um, when you, when you talk to the players, it's hard to find one that doesn't appreciate that, that who doesn't kind of, even, even if they're mad in the moment, even if they think that they had a, they, they didn't do wrong, what they're saying, what they're being told they did wrong, they'll appreciate it later. And, uh, that's, that's what I think players really appreciate about Mike and his staff. Locked on Blue Devils here today. J.J. Jackson alongside Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. Let's transition a little bit before we get out of here today and talk about uh, men's basketball. Of course, Duke home to one of the top programs in the entire country. And while we may be close to football season, Connor, we're never short on kind of headlines in the Duke basketball and Duke basketball recruiting world. Always keeping you on your toes. Yeah, there's it's 24-7, 365. <laughs> I mean, it's just nonstop. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you busy. Well, so in the recruiting world, obviously the big news that took place, uh, this past week was kind of following that Cooper flag saga, uh, whether or not he was going to be reclassifying into the class of 2024, ultimately 
you know, he posts that he's uh, reclassifying, coming to college, coming to uh, or exiting high school a year sooner than many people thought, put the caption, why wait in his posts. And so uh, Cooper flag reclassifying, um, this something that you saw coming or, or just your reaction to that? Yeah, this has been in the works for a while. Um, it was actually, it's not like I'm going to sit here and say I was surprised that it hadn't happened already, but we, the first I heard about this, I think was in early May. Uh, it was just something that you knew was being talked about, being discussed. Um, it makes a ton of sense. Um, not, not, not for Duke purposes necessarily, but just for Cooper flag purposes, right? Like he's clearly the best high school player in the country, regardless of class. Um, you know, it's, there's kind of this Holy Trinity of, of college or uh, high school basketball players right now with him, Cameron Boozer and AJ Dabonsa. Um, I might've butchered the pronunciation on that one, but you know, Cooper flag and Cameron Boozer are both in the 25 class. So if, if they're both in the same high school class, they're going to be in the same NBA draft and only one of them is going to be the number one overall pick. It makes more sense for one of them, if they can to move up a class, get to the college a year early and, try to carve an easier way to that number one pick. And um, it's all about getting to getting to the rookie deal that gets you paid and then getting to the super max three, four years down the road. Um, So look, it's, it's something that I honestly, the only thing that caught me off guard was the timing. And uh, I think the timing was kind of coincidental with that came right in the, right in that, time period of when we were learning that Flory Bedunga was not a Duke lean anymore. Uh, we went through about a week and a half, two weeks of thinking that Duke had its uh, center for the class of 24 locked up with right. Flory Bedunga. We thought it was Auburn coming in at the last minute at the 11th hour to steal him. But, you know, Kansas gets in there at, you know, 1158 or whatever yeah. it was and, and uh, gets him. I apologize for the for the shirt color too. I didn't realize that not only would I be wearing Clemson colors, but also Auburn to to talk about Duke. But um, this this shirt just came up in the rotation. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I, I it it did make me chuckle a little bit that right as we're learning that Flory Bedunga is not in the bank with Duke as we thought for a while. Oh, there's there's a. Uh, one of Duke's top targets in the class of 25 who happens to announce now he's going to go into the class of 24 might be coincidence. Uh, I, I tend to not believe in coincidence. Maybe that makes me a cynic, but I thought that was curious. How comfortable should Duke feel in the Cooper flag sweepstakes right now, Connor? I mean, it, it, it's a very, very optimistic basketball fan base uh, uh, you know, you're wanting to hear and see the commitment right now, today, in this moment. We've seen the official visits. We've got photo evidence now of what the man looks like in a Duke uniform. <laughs> How comfortable should Duke be? Yeah, in one word, very. Um, <laughs> nothing is ever certain. Uh, you know, nothing's certain until the the NL. NL yeah. I'm saying that right. NLI. Uh, that's kind of the lost moniker with those three letters these days. Yeah. Nothing certain until the NLI is signed, but I mean, it, it barely feels like anybody else is recruiting Cooper flag at this point. I think UConn is kind of in there. 
he has not taken a visit though. Um, it, it just ever since I, I think I think it was more than a year ago at this point that Cooper did an interview and called Duke his dream school. And then spent the the subsequent like six months trying to distance himself from those comments <laughs> to to make sure that he wasn't seen on the recruiting path as just a Duke player. But since then, there's there's been no indication that anybody else really stands a fair fight in this recruitment. And uh, yeah, I think it's just at, at this point uh, what I've told subscribers to my board: um, the waiting is the hardest part. Um, you know, you're, you're just waiting for the shoe to drop and you're waiting, you're waiting, uh, once you already dropped with the reclass. So now you're just waiting for shoe number two. And, and I think that's coming. Um, it's just a little hard to determine when at this point. Yeah, that's, if we knew when, I think everybody would be a lot better when you get these commitment dates in mind. Uh, that's something to look forward to on the basketball recruiting sweepstakes. We're already seeing several top players in 2024 and 2025 announce that they're taking official or unofficial visits to Duke during football season. So while we're talking about the on-the-field product for Mike Elko's team, the coming weeks and weekends are also going to be really productive in what John Shire and his staff are trying to do. Yeah, Patrick Ngongbo, the second uh God, I can't remember when his if he's got a date set yet or not. Um, a Nuple is coming September 16th. That's around when Duke is playing Northwestern. Uh, VJ Edgecombe, I think, is mid mid October. Um, those are the two wing slash shooting guards that Duke is really high on. I would think one of those two could join the class. I don't know if both of them uh, would come. Uh, then you're just kind of waiting on Cooper Flag and uh, where he slots in. Yeah, absolutely. And then once Cooper Flag is in the books, we'll take a look at uh, you know Cameron Boozer and the Boozer Twins and what that sweepstakes looks like going into the next season now that there has been a differentiation in the classes there. Connor, as always, it's so great to have you come by, visit us here on the show. Any final thoughts for us today or anything that you'd like to say about your work over at Devils Illustrated? Yeah, just just swing by and support the support the job or support the the work there. Um, we'll have you covered with basketball. Uh, we'll have you covered with football, and uh, do our best to expand a little bit. Awesome! Thank you for the time as always, Connor. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay. Thanks, JJ. I appreciate it. All right. That's Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated, and he's joining us here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. That's going to do it for our show today. A special shout out once again to all of our everydayers out there, the folks that tune in and listen each and every day. We really do appreciate your work. That'll do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.